We all know the story of Cinderella, at least the Disney version, the damsel in distress version. But what about the Brooklyn version, the I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks version? Nineveh now is a rising superstar. She's the lead in Andrew Lloyd Webber's new Broadway show, Bad Cinderella. And if you hadn't heard her yet, check this out. Those are her beautiful vocals mesmerizing the Imperial Theater on Broadway. Today, the Brooklyn native is going to sit down with us and tell us all about how she found her way into the theater, how she got the role of a lifetime in Bad Cinderella, and the advice she received from the legendary Andrew Lloyd Webber. My name is Christopher Rivas, and this is Brown Enough, stories between black and white. Here we go. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Before we get started, can you please uh, just tell people who might not know who you are and just introduce yourself? Yes. My name is Lenady Hanau, and I am currently playing Cinderella in Andrew Lloyd Webber's Bad Cinderella on Broadway. Beautiful. Before we get into Bad Cinderella, we're going to do these rapid-fire questions before we get how you got to the ballroom. Other than Bad Cinderella, what is your favorite Broadway show? Other than Bad Cinderella, my favorite Broadway show has to be In the Heights. But they press through the mess, bounce checks, and wonder what's next. In the Heights, I find my coffee and I go. Who is your favorite theater actor or actress? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, Bernadette Peters. You either got it or you ain't. And boys, I got it. Uh, favorite Dominican dish? Has to be, for breakfast, mangu con salami, huevo, you know, los tres golpes. <laughs> and then a dinner has to be, uh, like, either moro de guandules or arroya bichuela con carne guisao, pollo guisao. Or sancocho. Ah, oh, there's too many. Uh, sancocho, for sure. Yeah. Who's your favorite Dominican artist? Ooh, my favorite Dominican artist is Juan Luis Guerra. Uh, we have a Spotify playlist, and uh, who is someone that is brown that you are currently listening to, or that you just, a song you love? It can be anyone that we should add to the list. Silvio Rodriguez or Pablo Milanes. Do you have a specific song? I do love Ojalá from Silvio Rodriguez. I listen to his playlist on Spotify every single day before getting ready for the show. 
Ojalá que las hojas no te toquen el cuerpo cuando caigan. You were born in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, where in Brooklyn? Cypress Hills? Well, that's where <laughs> I was raised, uh, but I was born in Brookdale Hospital in Brooklyn. <laughs> cool. And then around 10 years old, you moved to uh, Connecticut. Yes, Hamden, Connecticut. Uh, that must have been different. Very different. I mean, I was 10, so it was a culture shock for sure. But I am very grateful to have grown up, um, you know, with a front yard and a backyard. I didn't have that really in Brooklyn. Mm. Um, grass, right? Um, to be able to ride my bike around my block and my neighborhood and my family feel comfortable with that. And to kind of just experience the suburb life a little bit. Did you, did you miss Brooklyn? Oh, absolutely. I definitely felt like an outsider. You know, I was in a school that was primarily white, so that was difficult. Um, I had my Brooklyn accent and, you know, my Spanish accent, too. I'm the, only, I'm the oldest of four, and I'm the only one that has an accent, which make it make sense. I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it was definitely hard to fit in in the beginning, but I found my way and i um, grateful for the many friends and memories that I made in Connecticut, for sure. It's where my love of musical theater started. Which was where? In uh, the Hamden Arts programs in middle school, high school, doing the theater, doing the school plays and um, joining the choirs and band. Did you see a play and you were like, oh, I want to do that? Or was there just an audition or? Yeah, I just took, a, I went to the audition for my middle school shows and then I took theater classes in high school. And I did not see my first musical until a trip through high school that brought us to Broadway. And my first musical that I saw on Broadway, I believe, was A Chorus Line. Again, step, kick, kick, leap, kick, touch. Again, step, kick, kick, leap, kick, touch. Again, step, kick, kick, leap, kick, touch. Oh, my first Again, was uh, in fifth grade. Well, it was Peter Pan, and then they took us to see uh, Beauty and the Beast. Oh, nice. I'm sad I missed that one. It was it was cool. I remember loving that very much. Um, what were some valuable lessons you learned while performing in front of your classmates? Like, is that when you got that dopamine hit and you were like, I could do this for the rest of my life? Or It wasn't until high school. I mean, in middle school, you know, that's you're always so awkward. It's kind of like the awkward stage in your life, I guess. But it taught me vulnerability, you know, putting myself out there and at least at that age, your peers are rooting for you. And and I hope at any age they are, but it's different. You know, when you're young, everybody's nervous and they're all Savage. together. Yeah. And unlike as adults, when you audition, you all audition together. You watch everyone's audition. And, you know, kind of in the professional world now, unless you're doing a big dance call or something like that, um, your individual auditions are solo. Nobody's, the, you know, there's no other actors auditioning for the same role watching you and, you know, having this experience together. Are there any teachers you want to give a shout out to? Like, who are the big ones that gave you the confidence you needed to be where you are today? Absolutely. My theater teacher from high school, Eric Nyquist, who saw all of the potential in me and really pushed me to realize that this is something that I could do and, you know, that that was within me. Also, my first voice teacher, Robin Salati from Connecticut as well, who I started taking professional lessons with just to transition from singing because I love to sing to singing maybe because I want to do it as my job or just learning the techniques of singing and breathing and different vocal techniques and things like that. Has Eric come to see you on Broadway? 
Yeah. Cool. He saw me a few weeks ago with his wife, Jen, and he's come so to see cool. me in all three of my Broadway shows. It's it's a very, very special thing, especially with Bad Cinderella, you know? It's like my first principal role on Broadway that I originated, and um, it's a big deal, and many tears were shed. That's amazing. So for me, it was uh, seeing John Leguizamo do Freak, right? That was like the first time I saw that, you know, hashtag representation matters and Colombian kid from Queens. What, was it Chorus Line that did that for you or no? What, was it In the Heights that did it, it for you? It was In the Heights, yeah. And that was, and was that the shift? That was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be on the stage. I'm going to make this my job. Yeah. So uh, when college application time came, I auditioned for the top three schools at the time that all my friends said, you have to audition. Like, these are the best schools. And I said, okay, great. If I get in, great. And if not, it's not meant to be. I'm not good enough. And I'm okay with that. My mind was set on, you know, majoring in business. That's always what I was going to do up until I discovered my love for musical theater. I didn't get into those schools. And so I studied business administration at the University of Connecticut. And um, while I was, I think while I was still in high school, though, is when I saw In the Heights. I saw it many, many times. And I was sitting all the way in the back. And one of the first lyrics that are rapped um, are Dominican Republic, I love it, Jesus, I'm jealous of it. Dominican Republic, I love it, Jesus, I'm jealous of it. And beyond that, ever since my folks passed on, and I have My cousin and I literally grabbed each other. We were hysterical. I could not believe that I heard those words said on a Broadway stage. I was like, is this allowed? Oh my God, they said the Dominican Republic. And that's the first time that I saw myself represented on stage. Then they started talking about the food we eat, the music that we dance to. You know, I just... I looked on stage and I was like, wow, I don't feel like I have to pretend to be anybody else. I, I see myself in this show. I see myself on the stage. There is a place for me. And so In the Heights really opened my eyes to whether it was that show or another that I did have a place where I would belong. You you gave me chills with that line. Oh, uh, I think that's what's so powerful about art is you can always bring us back to the first moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and when it moves us, it can always move us because uh, it sees us. Sometimes it sees us better than we see ourselves. You're studying business. And so you obviously still have the itch in you. How do you how do you pursue the itch? How do you scratch it? Yeah. So while I was um, working at the bank after college, I joined, you know, the community choir in New Haven because I do love to sing in choral groups. I also did community theater in my town after high school. And then a friend of mine who I did theater with in high school, his mom sent me a Facebook message about the audition notice for On Your Feet, the Gloria Stefan musical and Emilio Stefan musical. They were auditioning, you know, Latin actors to develop the show. It was a one-month workshop of the show. She was like, you have to audition. And I said, okay, great. Like, again, I don't have to pretend to be anybody else. Let me try. I'm Latina. I grew up on Gloria's music. Let me just go and be myself. So I was working at my, like, first big job after college in the city at a private bank. And I asked my boss for the day off. He was a huge theater fan. And so he was always super supportive. And so I went with a selfie that I took on my iPhone 4 and printed at Walgreens because <laughs> wow. I did not have a professional headshot. And I went, I sang Como La Flor by Selena. <laughs> and um, after that, they asked me to sing something else. I sang Breathe from In the Heights. 
And after that, I got callback after callback after callback. And I didn't really understand that callbacks are a good thing. I I started thinking that it was a bad thing. I was like, why do they keep wanting to see me do the same material <laughs> over and over? Like, I can't do this anymore. I can't sing this freaking conga song any different anymore. Like, I can't do this. Um, and so the casting director was really sweet and calmed me down. He was like, no, they're calling you back because they love you. They want to see more of you. And um, with high school theater experience, I booked the workshop. And then all of us that did the workshop were offered the out-of-town in Chicago and the Broadway premiere. And so wow. I made my Broadway debut understudying the role of Gloria Stefan and having my own ensemble role that I originated. And the rest is history. It's I was shot out of a cannon. The, the stars were aligned. Like, okay, para ti, nadie te lo quita. Seriously. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Linelli's going to tell us all about some magical advice she received, and she's going to give some back. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free. Shopify.com slash podcast free. And we are back with the incredible Line de Hinao. Do you have stories about auditioning for roles in Broadway as a brown woman? Or for you, has it been pretty pretty simple, pretty chill? No, I mean, so obviously with On Your Feet, it was an incredible experience because I was surrounded by, you know, Latinos. Like, it felt like we used to call it a party con pay. We, were, we would get paid to party on stage and party backstage and just, it was always a party. Um, so I was very, very spoiled with that being my first experience. And then when I transitioned to auditioning for Dear Evan Hansen, that was a whole nother ballgame because that's a very serious show. Um, you know, Michael Greif is an incredible director who I respect very much as well. He's the um, original director for Rent, also next to Normal. Um, and so I auditioned for that show a lot. Um, didn't get cast for a few years, and then they called me back again. And that's when I um, got the offer to join the national tour and then Broadway. And that was difficult for me because I was understudying one of the lead roles that was primarily white um, and came from a prestigious family and a family with money. And then the other um, character... Um, was usually played by a black actress or an actress of color. And so I definitely related to that character a lot more. But I was the first Latina to go on as Zoe Murphy, the lead role on tour. And so that was very big for me because I felt very self-conscious. I had to, you know, uh, I was more aware of my accent, of my mannerisms, of trying to like not sound that Latina, but also trying to be authentic and give an authentic performance because I wanted to give myself to the role as well and show a little part of myself. So it was always a struggle because I felt... I didn't feel the freedom that I felt with On Your Feet in Dear Evan Hansen, and it challenged me in ways that were beautiful and also scary, right? Um, 
But at the very same time, that creative team was super supportive and, you know, um, wanting to wanting me to showcase who I am and the role within the parameters of obviously what they wanted us to do. But, um, you know, vocally, it was a, Dear Evan Hansen was very much a machine, you know, it ran for over five years, I think. And so I kind of just had to fit into the box that they already had set. I guess coming into it after so many people had played the role and understudying the role, whereas I started on your feet and helped create it. And like with in my role, it's, it was just two different monsters. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to Bad Cinderella, creating that as well and working with Android Weber and him and the whole creative team, like just embracing who I am and allowing me to bring that to the role was just like the cherry on top, I guess. Can you tell me about the entire audition process and specifically the day you received the news? Yeah, it was the most challenging audition process I've ever been through in my life. It was also the closest I've ever been to, you know, the closest I've ever been to like a lead role in an audition. So I was so nervous, but at the very same time felt, again, I didn't have to pretend to be anyone else. The story of Cinderella is one that we all know in every capacity or, you know, that we can relate to in some way. Um, so I just got the breakdown. I got an audition, just like any other audition through my agents. I went, prepared the material they gave, got a callback and another callback, another callback. Singing at the top of my lungs at 10 a.m. and doing <laughs> those scenes Angela Weber songs are not easy. So those days for me started at like 6 a.m. just to like start talking and warming up my voice and, you know, being a human at that early, you know, time in the day to like be awake when I got there. And um, it was it was amazing. It was scary. I was up against a lot of people that I admire and respect in our industry and that's where the imposter syndrome kind of came in and I'm like oh my gosh like I'm auditioning with so and so from this show like I, I don't deserve to be here I'm like nobody you know and so those thoughts it took me a while to kind of like calm those down and my second to last audition we all had a private work session with Andrew Lloyd Webber which at that point I was like listen if I don't get this role I can die happy because I never expected this in my life to work one-on-one -on -one with Andrew Lloyd Webber and that helped calm the nerves. And so our final audition, I went into the room. There were like 50 people in the room, producers, cameras, all this stuff. And I just gave it my all. I was so close I could taste it. And I just felt a sense of confidence that I've never felt before. Again, reminding myself that I deserve to be here, that I don't have to pretend to be anybody else. Let me just bring myself to this role that I know so well, even, even if it's a different interpretation, and see if they like it. And I literally sobbed in the chair. I literally left every part of my soul in that audition room. And I was so proud of myself, regardless if I got the role or not. I was so, so proud of the work that I put into this and did. I went back to the holding room. Nobody else was there. And I was confused. And then casting was like, they need to see you again now. And I was like, listen, I started crying. I was like, I have nothing left. Like, there's literally nothing else I can do. Like, I gave it all. They were like, no, 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 it's okay. Just give me your stuff. And I was like, okay. So I walk in and... That's when Andrew Lloyd Webber stands up and asks me to be his Cinderella. So we just wanted to have one, just try one more thing. Yes. We would love you to be Cinderella. Oh my God. <laughs> For people listening who don't know who Andrew Lloyd Webber is, uh, can you just tell us who he is and what is your favorite musical of his? So for those who don't know, Andrew Lloyd Webber is the most successful musical theater composer of 
all time. Um, number one, he had the longest running show on Broadway that recently closed. Phantom of the Opera ran on Broadway for 35, over 35 years. Crazy. The longest running show on Broadway. He also had Cats on Broadway that ran for like 20-something years. So his career is insane. Um, he also just recently composed um, the the coronation song for like the new king of England. Like that's a big deal, you know. And he's well-known, you know, worldwide. Um, but my favorite musical that Andrew Lloyd Webber has written the score to is Evita. It's about Eva Perón, who was the first lady of Argentina. And it's a dream role of mine. That's one of the—I think if you ask anyone, that's one of the hardest female vocal um, scores to sing in musical theater. It's it's very, very challenging. So I pray one day to be able to play that role. But— um. Yeah, it's an honor to not only have worked with Andrew and have him know my name and like I shared a meal in his home in London. It's like it's insane to me. Um, but it's it's been an honor to work with him and and share so many beautiful memories with this incredible icon of a human being. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Yep. <laughs> Cinderella, we all can identify with. Tell me more. So, in the way that, like, number one, we've all been exposed to that fairy tale in some way or have heard of it, right? I think anybody that even lives under a rock and, like, in some way knows the fairy tale. But I guess I could relate, in, especially in this version where she's a rebel, she speaks her mind. I very much speak my mind. Again, something you can ask my, my parents. <laughs> Growing up, they're always like, Lina, this is going to be a lawyer because she's going to be a great attorney because she doesn't stop talking. She keeps asking questions. And let me tell you, I've always wanted to go to law school, but the thought of having student loans again, no, no, no. Um, but again, feeling like you don't fit in, right? In our version of Cinderella, she's an outcast. She's a rebel because she is shunned from society because she wants to live her most authentic life in a place where she's told to conform and look this way, speak this way, be this way. And so it kind of reminds me of when I moved to Connecticut. I then became too Latina for my white friends. And then when I would go back to Brooklyn, I was too white for my Latino friends. And I was just like, I don't know where to fit in. I don't know how to be. And I have to kind of like change my behaviors around certain groups of people to make myself comfortable or them, them comfortable, just like trying to find my way. And um, just learning that as we get older, you know, especially doing this role, it's like life is too short. You have to just be who you are, be happy, live your life authentically because life is short. You know, we can all, this could all be done tomorrow. And it's like, you have to just, be unapologetic in who you are and live in your truth because why else? You know, what else is there to do, right, if you're not happy? Um, and so, yeah, that's that's a way that I can relate. And I'm also a stepmom now. So when, when my stepkids have watched the show, I'm like, yo, they better not try and be like, oh, I, I know their teachers ask, like, is she an evil stepmom? Like, their stepmom in, in the show? And they, they've said, no, they're good. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's beautiful. How'd you get ready for opening night? Tell me about the experience. How are you feeling? Uh, I've, I was super kind of zen on opening night, to be honest. I just wanted like a super chill morning. Th that week was intense with a lot of press and everything like that. And the preview schedule was very gruesome, you know, 
I had press in the morning, then um, rehearsal, then we do the show with changes. Um, so it was very, very difficult. But that morning, I was in a hotel. I got dressed by Oscar de la Renta. Like, I wanted to represent my culture and just, like, be surrounded by mi gente, you know, and that was very important to me. So I had a Latin hairstylist, a Latin makeup artist. Obviously, um, Carlos from Ikigai was with me. And I also worked with a Dominican stylist who helped kind of complete the look. Um, so I just wanted to be surrounded by people I felt comfortable with, could feel myself with, and just have like a super, super calm and chill day. And it was uh, very much a princess dream come true day, that's for sure. Uh, what have been your family and friends' reactions? Uh, they're beside themselves. They're so, you know, proud and um, just uh, happy for me. And they've, you know, they're all like, oh, we've known since you were little because I would hold concerts in the sala, like in my living room. And for my family, I'm like, okay, everybody, it's time. Where's your tickets? <laughs> and my brother and two cousins and I, we had a, a group called The Cousins. So we would always <laughs> hold <laughs> concerts and you know, they always knew that this was something that would happen, but never in this, you know, capacity. And they're just super grateful. The Saturday right after our opening night, I had about over 120 family members in the audience. It was like Little Whoa. Dominican Republic at the Imperial Theater. Yeah, and it was incredible. Wow. Um, yeah, but they're they're just so excited. My grandmas, once they saw it was like on Telemundo, that was the highlight of they're like, oh my god, like that was that was it for them. <laughs> I've done a lot of stuff and like uh, pretty what I think is cool stuff. And then it wasn't until I recently did a Home Depot commercial that my dad was like, oh, you made it. Yeah. Like yep. only I could do anything, you know, like I could win a freaking Oscar, but it's like being in my dad's favorite place, a Home Depot, like that's it. That yeah. means I've won. <laughs> uh, so you get to uh, have this beautiful Brooklyn accent with your character. Is that a you decision? Is that an Andrew decision? Is that a both of you decision? How do you get to that place? Um, I think I, so I brought that into the room from day one with my audition because, again, I was just like, let me truly just be myself. And the creative team really embraced it. Nobody, I mean, it got to a point where they were like, hey, we just always want to be conscious of, like, not letting it go too much. We don't want this to be, you know, overboard. And I was like, yeah, no, no, absolutely. So obviously I had to, like, figure out different places where I had to tone it down because obviously when emotions are high, you know, you're kind of like— speak the way that you speak when when you feel that way. So I had to tone it down a little bit. But um, no, it was very much just like they just fell in love with the things that I did and my mannerisms and how I personally react to things that I could relate to with the role. And it just blossomed from there. So you mentioned the uh, the sort of legendary career of Andrew Lloyd Webber. What is the best advice he has given you? Oof. To trust my artistry, he, like, and to trust myself. So I went to London for the first time last summer to record our single, Bad Cinderella, and a brand new song he wrote for our show called Easy To Be Me. It's one of my favorite songs to sing in the show. And everyone there and his team was like, hey, so how does it feel to sing this, to be the first person to sing this original Angela Lloyd Webber song? I'm like, oh my God, be right back. Let me go fame right now, and then I'll come back. So, um... 
when I was singing the song, obviously I got so emotional. And then when we were recording it, he was like, Lenady. I like how he says my name, Lenady. Um, he was like, forget how I wrote it. I want you to just sing it however you want and how you want to interpret it. And I said, forget how you wrote it. Andrew Lloyd Webber, what are you talking about? And then he was like, no, I just want to hear how you would interpret it. And so I'm in love with the way he wrote the song. So I, on the spot, I couldn't sit there and kind of like riff off or like hear my own interpretation since I had already learned his and, and was in love with that. And after he was like, I love this. Like, I want you to trust your ability and to trust your artistry because I love it. And after every take of like whatever line we were doing, he would ask me, are you happy? I'm like, Andrew Lloyd Webber, why are you asking me if I'm happy? Are you happy? Like, all I care about is you being happy. But he constantly, like, checked in with me and helped me reassure myself. Like, I need to be happy with my work. I need to be proud of my artistry and also confident and, like, trust myself. And so I think that's the biggest piece of advice he's given me. And it's like, of course, how could he have gotten this far in his career if he didn't trust himself in the work that he does, Right. And just like watching, watching him change this song on the spot and understand why he does this and be like, no, I need this to be like this because of this. And just seeing and understanding his process was just, just incredible and just made so much more sense. You are a legend in your own right. And so I'm going to ask kind of the same question for any young person out there. You're a legend in your own right with this really beautiful, like uh, what's meant for you is meant for you young artist who needs some advice what would you tell them expose yourself and involve yourself in any and every arts program your community offers there are so many free programs that um you can you know go to and be a part of to not only gain experience but gain confidence right, to start honing in on your craft, um, to start networking, right, because you only learn, you you learn by watching, of course, but you also learn by doing, and you can learn so much from your peers. That's, that's how I got here, right? I didn't have professional training. I learned everything that I know from my peers and from every, you know, from everything that I took from the first show to the next show to the next show, the community choir, right? Joining a choir helps you learn how to read music, how to sight read, how to, you know, sing in tune, how to hear those around you. So when you're in an ensemble, right, Joining the band in my school also helped me, again, learn how to read music, learn how to play an instrument, which nowadays, a lot of Broadway shows, there are actors who have to play instruments on stage that are a part of the orchestra as well. Um, Voice lessons, if you can, to help you, again, hone in on your craft. It was very difficult for me to go from singing because I love to sing to singing because it's my job, right? Doing a show in high school that only runs for a weekend or two is different than doing eight shows a week, plus auditions, plus press, right? It's it's a completely different ballgame. And so just involve yourself in as much as you can to get exposure, confidence, experience. Um, and I know it's easier said than done, but you have to believe in yourself and be confident in yourself and understand that whatever you bring to the table is unique. Nobody else can do it how you do it in the same way. You cannot do it in the way that anybody else can because we're all unique and we all have our own special qualities that make us who we are and make us special. And there's a place for all of us. Uh, Beautiful. 
Mic drop. That was uh, long, sorry. Mic. No, it's perfect. You kidding me? It's absolutely perfect. Uh, any Anything else you want to share with us? Anything you want people to know about you, about the process, about the show? Any questions for me? Um, don't think it's ever too late. If you want to change careers or if you want to do something that inspires you or, you know, fulfills your soul that's kind of out of the status quo, if that makes sense, on, on what your current life is, you know, kind of like the box that you're in. If, if Just do it, right? Again, life is too short. You just put yourself out there and do it. Go to the cooking class if you want to learn how to cook or, or whatever. Go travel, you know, just put yourself out there and get out of your comfort zone because, again, life is too short. And... Um, I don't know. Come see Bad Cinderella. We're at the Imperial Theater until June 4th. It's been, you know, an absolute joy every day to go to work. It's still so weird for me to say that this is my job, um, that I do this for a living because it's truly my passion and my dream literally came true. Um, and so it's just so bizarre to me sometimes that this is what my life is. Um And thank you so much for having me on your show, especially another fellow Dominicano. Like, it's, it, this is awesome. Thank you, Linedi, for dropping by, listening to the stars, and trusting that what is meant for you is meant for you. Keep being yourself. I know you will. And all of you listening, keep being yourself. Much love. Brown Enough is a production of Stitcher Studios. It's created and hosted by me, Christopher Rivas, and I'm also an executive producer. Our team includes producer Manolo Morales, technical director Casey Holford, production assistant Gabriela Gladney, and executive producer Camille Stanley. Original music by Casey Holford. Special thanks to Abby Aguilar. Workhouse Media is a contributing producer to this podcast. Carlos E. Hernandez of Ikigai Management is also an executive producer of Brown Enough. Don't forget to subscribe or follow Brown Enough so you never miss an episode. Thanks. Peace and love. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. 